I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, I know I haven't made a whole lot of episodes lately. Uh, I seem, it seems like I'm always saying that, but we as a family, the kids had school off uh, last week, Friday and Monday and Tuesday. And so we actually went on a trip down to southern or to northern Indiana and just had a good time there. And so I, I haven't put out a lot of episodes and we missed the last couple of Faith Friday episodes. And so I wanted to jump back into it here. And, uh, you know, it's just been it's just been kind of a lazy time here. I mean, not really lazy. I've been doing things and getting things done. But it's nothing that really impacts the business, my lawn care business. And so it's just, it's been, you know, so-so around here. It's just been even keel, which is nice, but I've been getting things done. I cleaned up the garage yesterday to get things organized and ready for the season. And then I am working on still getting tax stuff together and put together so that it's ready for when we go do our taxes. And obviously I'm still advertising for driveway repairs. In fact, I have a driveway estimate that I need to go do right after I'm done with this episode. So we are just pushing ahead. And then we've had a lot of different things going on. We've been cleaning up a bunch of stuff in our basement, just trying to get rid of stuff. Uh, my wife is actually going to be closing down her business here in the next month or so, uh, just because she's just had enough of it. It's a lot of work. Uh, both boys are going to be homeschooling next year. So she wants to just close that up and be done so that she has more time with the boys at home and just focus on that. So we've just been kind of busy, just running like rats in a wheel, but we have been getting things done. It's just not things that necessarily impact the lawn care business. So it's nothing really that I need to tell you about. With all that being said, let's jump into today's Faith Friday. The way we do Faith Friday here is I we go through a book of the Bible, however long that takes. Right now we're in the book of Acts, and it just so happens that we are probably in the longest, we are going to jump into the longest chapter in Acts. Now I will read the whole thing to you, but I'm not going to go back and read verse for verse because we are on the part where Stephen is martyred. He was the first martyr for the church. And so I'm going to go into background in just a minute on that. We're going to scale back just a little bit here. My disclaimer is that I am not a Bible scholar. I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to Bible school. I just love the Word of God, and I love sharing it with people. And the reason I do it on a lawn care podcast is because I believe that our faith impacts how we run our business. And so I really believe that diving into God's word daily helps you lead your business and guide your business and operate your business at a higher level. 
with more integrity, more intention. And so that's why I do the Faith Friday episodes because I really believe that it's going to impact your business because it has mine. All right. And, and along with that, it's going to impact your life. And so daily I spend time in God's word. Uh, I don't share that here on the podcast, but I weekly, I do one episode for you here on the podcast with the intention that over time, this will draw you to jumping into God's word yourself on a daily basis and, and learning from God's word from God himself, essentially. Now, the Bible was written by men. Yes, it was. But it was inspired by God. And so I believe, and most Christians believe, that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, which means perfect, word of God. It means it has no errors in it. And if you go, and there's a graph that... that um, Oh, what's his name? Peterson. Andrew Peterson. I think that's his name. Um, put up uh, in one of his talks that I saw online. And it's a graph of wherever the Bible connects. And it's with these strings of light. All right. And it it is it references itself. And the Bible is not just one book written by one guy. At one time, um, I heard Joe Rogan say that say that the Bible was just written by some guy, and it's just you know it's put together out there, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It does make sense. In fact, it makes perfect sense, and it really enlightens your faith when you understand how the Bible was written. The Bible is sixty six books. Uh, books of different types of poetry. There's letters. Most of the New Testament is written in letter form from one person to another or from one person to a church. And there's prophecy books in the Bible. And there's there's story in the Bible. There's poetry. There's, there's wisdom literature in the Bible, which most people turn to. The Bible is 66 books written by, what is it? I think it's 34, 35, 36, some, somewhere in there, different authors. Over a period of, I think it was 1,500 years. So the Bible was not written by one person. Really, I should say, the Bible wasn't written down by one person. And that's what makes the Bible so interesting. Yes, it is one book, but it is 66 books that have been compiled into one book. Just like if you were to go to a bookstore and you were to buy a large book of all three books of the Lord and the Lord of the Rings series, just put in one book. Those three books were not written at the same time. They were written at different periods. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings over the course of 55 years. So yes, that was written by one person. The Bible was written over 1,500 years by, by 30, I think it was 33 or 34 different authors. 
And they are all, if you read through it from cover to cover, <clears throat> excuse me, you will realize that one person, one author says something and later on in the Bible, many books later, that actually comes true. So it was a prophecy and later on that prophecy comes true. And you can look back in history, not from the Bible, but from historians who prove that this actually did take place. So you don't have to take my word for it, but you shouldn't believe what Joe Rogan says, that the Bible was just written by one man. It's not. It is 66 books written over 1,500 years by many different authors. All right, so that's what makes the Bible so interesting because it's all connected. It's all one straight narrative. And yet it was written by so many different authors over the course of 1500 years. All right. So with that said, we are in the book of Acts. We are jumping into Acts chapter seven. And let me do a little background because it's been a while since we did a faith Friday and since we did uh, Acts chapter six. So let me give a little backstory to what is going on now in chapter seven. So Stephen, he was a man of God and he was part of this new thing, the church or the way as, as they call it in acts. And Stephen was arrested for proclaiming the word of God for sharing the gospel. So he was arrested and they brought forth the, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, the Jewish religious leaders of the day, brought forth many, many witnesses, false witnesses, who testified falsely of things that Stephen had supposedly said. And so now Stephen is in front of the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling body of the Jewish faith. All right, at least in Bible times, that's what it was. I'm not sure the Sanhedrin exists today. I don't, I'm not up on the Jewish faith as of today, but back in the Bible times, the Sanhedrin was the rule keeping body of, it was like the court, the justice system for the Jewish faith. And so that is where we're starting here. Stephen is in front of the Sanhedrin and he's about to talk. And he's going to give a history lesson from the earliest, from Genesis and Exodus until today, until his day right now, okay? Until Jesus is really what it is. So let's read it. If you're at home and you're listening to this, grab your Bible, read along. This is a long, long chapter. This chapter is 60 verses. So Please engage, if you can, with reading along because it is long, but it's very good and it gives you an overview. This is like the biblical overview from Exodus to all the way to, um, to Jesus. Okay, so let's jump into Acts chapter 7. Then the high priest asked him, are these charges true? To this he replied, so Stephen replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. 
the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran, or Haran, you know, like Aaron. <laughs> After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even a foot of ground. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no children. God spoke to him in this way, Your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard that the, that there was a grain, I'm sorry, let me try, try that again. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent his his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. I'm sorry, let me read that again because that didn't make sense. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt where he and his fathers died. Their bodies were brought back to to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. Then another king, who knew nothing about Joseph, became ruler of Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Joseph was born. I'm sorry, at that time Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for in his father's house. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as their, her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was forty years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. 
Moses thought his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, are you, are you, I'm sorry, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had, and had two sons. After forty years, he passed. I'm sorry, I'm struggling now, guys. This is so long. <laughs> Verse 30. After forty years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to look more closely, he heard the Lord's voice. I am the Lord your father. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses who they had rejected with words, who made you ruler, who made you ruler and judge. That's a quote. He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. This, this is that Moses who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and held a celebration in honor of what their hands had made. But God turned away and gave them over to the worship of the heavenly bodies. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did, quote, Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings? Forty years in the desert, O house of Israel, you have lifted up the shrine of Moloch and the star of your god Raphen, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. It had been made as God direct, directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. 
Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nation from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men, as the prophets say, quote, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have destroyed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. When they heard this, that being the Sanhedrin, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And that ends Acts chapter 7. Good grief, that was long. (laughs) But we got a good overview of the Exodus and a little and even a little bit of Genesis there. So Stephen is standing in front of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body, the the judges will say of the Jewish faith. And he gets brought before the Sanhedrin and he has the cojones to stand up to these men who are supposedly trained better than anyone else in the law. And the law is the the five books of the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All right, now Leviticus is the law, and I've been reading through that in my own time, and it is dry. But it's interesting because you see all the rules that the Israelite people had to keep and all the sacrifices they had to to give and all the, the, the festivals they had to observe. So it's good to read through the book of Leviticus because you get a better understanding of what the Jewish people are supposed to be doing. All right. But they today, the Jewish people can't do that, those things, because they no longer have a temple. The temple was destroyed. And so they haven't given sac- made sacrifices to the Lord in many hundreds of years. So. That's where we're at today. Stephen is standing in front of the Sanhedrin and he goes through 
they he gives these people the Sanhedrin a history lesson and just goes over and reminds them where they came from so he goes through and he starts with Abraham and then he moves on to Isaac and Jacob and then he moves on to Moses and 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 Egypt and the Exodus where Moses leads the people out of out of Egypt the Israelites out of Egypt and he talks about the the Pharaoh that dealt treacherously with the people and so Moses was born just at the right time but he got scared and ran away okay and then God appears to him in the burning bush and he goes back to Egypt to free the people Let's see here. Let's keep going here. We're around verse 30 now. So now they're in the desert. After 40 years had passed, and the angel of the... So he was in Midian for 40 years. All right. So after 40 years, an angel appeared to Moses in the bush, right? In the burning bush. And he tells Moses to go back to Egypt. So Moses goes back to Egypt. And now... It says here, the most interesting part, I think one of the most interesting parts about about um, Stephen's history lesson here to the Sanhedrin is that he says in verse 35, this is the same Moses who they had rejected with words, with the words, who made you ruler and judge? See, when Moses killed the Egyptian, as it says here, uh, where is it? Oh. Uh, Let's see. When it talks about Moses killing the Egyptian, here it is, verse 25. It says, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The people, the Israelites, did not realize that Moses was there to rescue them. And after he killed the Egyptian and the Israelite guy says, who are you to judge us or whatever? Moses got scared and ran off, right, for 40 years. Then he goes back. And then we, that brings us all the way up to verse 44. And it says, Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them. What is the tabernacle of testimony? That is the, the, the um, what do I want to call it? Let me see here if it says in the notes here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the tabernacle was was the thing that the Israelites would carry around. I'm sorry for the pause there. But the thing that the Israelites would carry it around, and it had things in it, like a bowl of manna, had manna. It had the tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. It had the tablets in there. It had other things. It had bread in there. And and they would carry this thing around and no one was allowed to touch it. They had to carry it with poles because that was where the Holy Spirit dwelt. And this is what this is what Stephen is talking about in verse 44. Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joshua 
brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove them before drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David. Verse 46. Who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. Verse 47. But it was Solomon who built the house for God. David never got to to actually build the house, the, the, the temple. He wasn't allowed to do that. So Solomon built it. Verse 48. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. This was Stephen saying, however, the Most High does not live in churches. Right? He doesn't live in things built like by men. And he quotes the Bible here. In verse 49, he says, heaven is my throne. This is God speaking. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Verse 50, has not my hand made all these things? What can man build God that God has not already made? He has nothing. And then after this, after saying this, Stephen jumps in with a rebuke. And this is what got him killed, ultimately, was speaking the truth. Verse 51, let's read these verses. You stiff-necked people, he's talking to the Sanhedrin, with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Why does he say this? Because the Israelites, while Moses was up on the mountain, he was up there for who knows how long, I don't remember. But the Israelites, it must have been too long because the Israelites decided, you know what? We're going to take all the gold that we have, we're going to put it together, we're going to melt it down, and we're going to make a calf. And that will be our God. That's what they said. That will be our God. And so when Moses comes down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments, he finds the Israelites dancing around, worshiping this idol they made with their own hands. And Stephen is, is saying to, to the Sanhedrin, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like those Israelites who made that idol for a God. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Verse 52, was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute. They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. Verse 52, there, was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? The answer is no. The Israelites killed most of the prophets, and if they didn't kill them, they at least persecuted them. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of Jesus Christ. And now you, the Sanhedrin, have betrayed and murdered him. He says, you murdered the Christ. You Israelites, you murdered the people who said that he was coming. And now you murdered the guy himself, Jesus Christ. Verse 53, you who have received the law that was put into effect through the angels, but have not obeyed it. Verse 53 again, you who have received the law, you know the law, he's saying, 
that was put into effect through the angels, through the angels who brought it to man, the prophets, but have not obeyed it. He's saying, he's telling the Sanhedrin, you guys are a bunch of sinners. That's what he's saying. He just called the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jewish faith. He called them all sinners and murderers. Verse 54, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. What is gnashing your teeth? It's like, ah, I'm so mad, right? That's gnashing your teeth. Verse 54, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So not only did Stephen see God standing there, Stephen, one of the only living people, I believe, who saw God. Now, whether it was a vision or whether he really saw them, I don't know. It says he saw him. So I'm guessing Stephen looked up to heaven. He saw God there. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He was the only living being up until this point who saw God. Okay, let's keep going. Now, that that could be a stretch. That could be a stretch, but I'm going to stand on that because that's what it says. That's what it says. It says he looked up and saw God. I'm going to just go with what it says here. Verse 56 Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So he's he's yelling this out as he's being stoned. Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand. If you were Stephen, this is something you could not contain. You would have to yell it out. Because you, no one had ever seen God. And this made the, the, the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, furious. 57. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed him. They rushed at him. Okay, so I got a little head on myself. He did not say this while he was being stoned. He said this while he was still standing right in front of the Sanhedrin, in their building, whatever that might have been. So he looked up and saw God. He had a vision. I I believe it was a vision, but the Bible says he saw God. So I'm going to stand on that, but I still believe it was a vision. Okay? Uh, at that, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him. Verse 58, dragged him out of the city because it was illegal to stone someone inside the city walls. So they had to drag him out of the city and began to stone him. Now, in most places in the Bible, what they would do is they would dig a pit and they would either bury the person halfway to their waist and then stone them so they couldn't run away, or they would dig a pit and throw the person in and stone them in the pit so they couldn't get away. This does not say any of that, so I don't know if maybe they just dragged him out and just 
because they were so enraged, just stoned him, which would mean it took a lot longer to kill him, probably. So this was suffering for Stephen. All right, verse, let's see. Verse 58, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses, so the people that were there, those who were stoning him, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now you're going to want to remember that name because that is the next that is coming up. We learn much more about Saul in the next few chapters. All right? But for now, this is what makes this is part of what makes Bible so interesting. It leaves little breadcrumbs all the way through the Bible and you just keep looking for it and it will go back and it will talk about it. It could be 3, 4, 5, 10 books later, but it will get there, okay? Let's see. Uh, laid the the name of Saul. Okay, verse 59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. And and listen to this. This is a quote from Jesus. Uh, Well, kind of. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60. Then he fell on his knees, so they didn't bury him. He just fell on his knees. Obviously, he was being hit by stones. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So if you see those last two verses there, that is almost identical to what Jesus said when he was on the cross. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he goes on and says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he was probably hit in the head with a rock and knocked unconscious and fell asleep. This was the story of Stephen. He stood up for what was right. He stood up for Jesus Christ. He went all the way back to Abraham and went all the way through Moses and really covered the prophets what what the Jewish leadership did to the prophets. And then he gets to Jesus, the Savior, the one who was prophesied about. Way back in Genesis, Jesus, the coming of Jesus was prophesied. And they killed Jesus. And Stephen has the, the, the strength, the, the fortitude, the cojones, if you will, to stand in front of the leadership of the Jewish nation and tell them that they are all murderers and sinners. And that is what made them so angry at Stephen. And really, this was not Stephen saying this. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you, if you look back in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 15, All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8 in chapter 6, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. 
But oppression arose, and the members of the Sanhedrin arrested him. And then it says that, uh, where does it say? It says that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. And so he just, he, he was full of the Holy Spirit. So this was the Holy Spirit speaking through Stephen to these Jewish leaders. And he spoke what God wanted him to say. And he lost his life for it, for standing up for Jesus Christ, for knowing the truth. He showed these leaders the truth with history, with a history lesson. And they killed him for it because they did not want to hear it and they did not want to believe That is why Stephen was stoned to death. Because they did not want to hear it. They did not want to believe. They did not want to believe in Jesus Christ. And we see that today in the Jewish, in the Jew, in the Jewish population. They, many of them do not want to believe. There are Jewish believers out there. But many of them refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. The truth is right here. It's right here. And they refuse to believe. Guys, that is the end of today's Faith Friday. I hope this was helpful for you to read through Stephen's history lesson. It is basically a very high level overview of the Old Testament. And so, if you are like, man, the Old Testament is just so vast and I just cannot wrap my brain around reading that, you can get a good picture of what happened in the Old Testament. Just the flyover, the 30,000 foot view from Stephen here in chapter 7 of Acts. So if, if you just cannot see yourself reading the Old Testament right now, just get the flyover that Stephen gives. i I. I didn't even know really that this existed or I had forgotten that it existed until I read through Acts and saw this like, oh, wow, that's a really simple overview from Abraham all the way to Jesus. And so I would encourage you to go back and read it again, get a good history lesson of what the Old Testament really is all about, the main gist of the Old Testament. Now, I would encourage you to go back and actually read the Old Testament. Um, I am doing that right now. I'm reading slowly through the, the Old Testament. Right now, like I said, I'm in Leviticus. I'm the type of person that just likes to jump around. I like to jump around in the Bible and read what I'm interested in. So I was just interested in Leviticus. So I read, I'm read. i reading through the entire book of Levit Leviticus. Next, I might go back and read through Numbers or or Deuteronomy. Uh, it's just, it's very interesting to me. And so I, I, as I've been reading through Leviticus, I've been gaining more interest in it. So guys, I would encourage you to read in both, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I read in both every day. I think it gives a good round picture of what, of, uh, of the old and the new, of what, what the the children of Israel had to go through and what the Bible, what God says to us for 
more our time. Now, yes, these letters in the New Testament were written to churches in the New Testament. They weren't written to us today, but we can glean much from the letters of the New Testament. And we learn so much from that. So we have to keep that in mind. We have to keep in mind who these books were written to or letters were written to when they were written. So we can't just take them as though they were written to us. They were not. But we can glean a whole lot from those letters. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something out of this. Uh, I know I sure did. It blessed my heart to read this again. Um, Next week... We have another pretty long chapter, but nothing like what we had today. So thanks for sticking with me, guys. Uh, I just want to encourage you to get into the Bible. Read God's Word. It is so important. It will help your business. It will help your personal life. All right, guys, that's it. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.